We might be freaks, but we know our mother phone can beats and beats and beats and beats and beats. Hey, this is the Freak PTDM podcast, and this is the 111th episode coming to you on this Saturday, 13th of July 2019 from the UK. As always, this is your host. And today I would like to talk about my favorite rave person on the planet. For those who follow the podcast, it's no secret that my favorite place on earth is the Electric Daisy Carnival, in particular the Las Vegas edition. And there is a reason for that, and the main reason being that I connect with the creator of that festival, uh, the producer, you might say, and this is this man, Pasquale Rotella. So for those who are listening to the audio version, we just uh, featuring a article that was published in Forbes four days ago. Forbes is a, a financial magazine in the States, for those who don't know or not familiar. And they um, there was a feature of an interview of Pasquale Rotella. Oh, Pasquale Rotella is the main driver of the Insomniac uh, festivals, which is a huge company right now, and I think it's the only one which actually supports the rave or dance music scene in the States at the moment, and runs many, many festivals in parallel, so it's not just EDC, it's Bass, bass Rush, it's um, Electric Forest, it's all the EDC, the different EDC editions, obviously, and uh, many others that I actually forgot right now. And the reason I'm saying that I like EDC so much is not just it's the, the the atmosphere it's not necessarily the lineup uh, although the lineup is not bad and this is as you can to see from the interview it's because of where pasquale rotella is coming from and it's easier much easier to connect where you have somebody who represents this organization rather than have a faceless organization for example when you deal with tomorrowland or ultra you know that there's some multi-corporation in the background uh, that's running the show and you don't know what the motives is or what the story is. So it's much easier to connect with Pasquale, especially since we seem to have some sort of common background. I'm going to come to that uh, in uh, later. So as I said, he has given an interview um, in Forbes. And for those who listen to the audio version, please go to the YouTube channel to see the streaming. And I'm just going to read from the article... In so many records, he is the CEO. He started the company 25 years ago in October of 93. And for those who are into uh, the EDC or Insomniac uh, party um, kind of series, uh, you know that 1993 is very important for them. Uh, like Factory 93, for example, where they, pay, uh, where they play a lot of house and techno. And this is the reason for that. So the reason was... Um, According to him, the death of the underground scene and my love for what it is, why I started Insomniac and why Insomniac exists today. He says the underground rave scene had died in 92 by end of 92, early 93 was over. That's interesting to actually know that for the States uh, because I never knew that there was such a big scene in the States. But the more I interview, like uh, if for those who listen to the previous podcast, um, all the ravers, uh, I realized that there was a parallel scene in the States happening at the same time that it was happening in the UK. So Rotella had fallen in love with the scene as an attendee in underground events on a weekly basis, so with no one else throwing the parties he wanted to attend, uh, he took over the mantle. Now he is the undisputed leader of the American dance music scene, as I said, as he points out where we meet in his Beverly Hills office. Though EDM is no longer the commercial force it was three or four years ago, Insomniac events continue to only thrive. To only thrive but grow also EDC Las Vegas um, gathered together over 450,000 fans making the biggest festival probably in the world 
and that that's very interesting um, because he does mention as you can see that um, it it's not the biggest uh, commercial force as it was um, three or four years ago that's what he thinks and uh, being on the outside you wouldn't necessarily feel that but he obviously must have some more business insights that I do and I continue, yet despite all of the success, Rotella still throws his events for the same reason he did 25 years ago. He's not just saying it that because it sounds good. He and I go back to the early 2000s when I covered Nocturnal Wonderland. So yes, that's another one uh, that he does. Uh, that event drew more than 40,000 fans, a standing number for a rave at the time. He continues, when you walk through ADC Las Vegas with Rotella today, it's not much different than he was riding on a cart with him in San Bernardino all those years ago. That Rotella believes is the biggest reason for his success. Um, and I would actually agree with that. I think what I found when I first attended EDC Las Vegas four years ago, it was this authenticity that I couldn't... I think it was lost at the end of 92, 93 in the UK with all the raves basically going a little bit um, harder or darker. And so this sort of vibe, this happy vibe that existed back then, I didn't find it or saw it ever again, even though I continued um, raving in different areas and even different countries, but that sort of vibe was never recreated. So I'm going to start reading from the interview. So this guy is called Steve, Steve Bolton. He's, he's asking, what, gives, what keeps things fresh and challenging for you? Pasquale says, my internal challenge is based on me being entertained. I build these events for me and others, of course, with them in mind. But because I'm a fan, I build them how I would want them to be if I was able to just attend as an attendee. And I'm someone who gets bored with the same thing over and over again. So pushing the festival by using the latest technology, art, new music, new ideas, what my feeling is at the time, tapping into what the energy is in the culture, all those things push me forward because I'm really just a raver from the dance floor that's excited to go out. And I think this is, I think this is the most important thing, you know. Um, I haven't ever met him on the dance floor, but I know many other people who have and they usually post pictures on Instagram or other social media where he's actually down there, he actually listens to the feedback and, and participates in the event. And I fully understand that he can't purely just go there and have fun because there's a business side plus an organizational management side on the background like what we saw this year with EDC Las Vegas and the storms. However, it's important that he actually listens and likes uh, the scene. He's not there just for the money. If I remember correctly from it, interview that he did a few years ago i think he mentioned that he broke even for the first time in edc las vegas 2016 so that's quite a long journey of just throwing parties and just breaking even so he continues i'm, st I'm still just that same person i built a company that way i did my first party with the intention of having somewhere to go because there was no scene anymore that's why at my first party i was looking at spread seats trying to make a buck or anything like that I wasn't looking. I was okay being broke because I was very social and loving the music and excited about what I had experienced the year prior, going to some underground parties before they all crashed and burned. So the interview continues. Take us through the different events and how you approach them. So Rotella says, I'm a fan of all of it. I'm not only into techno and house underground parties. I think he probably refers here to uh, Factory 93, perhaps. 
I've had different phases in my life. I like variety, and EDC is very different than one of our warehouse parties. Downtown and Base Rush is very different to a Dream State party, yeah. So, yeah, Insomnic throws Dream State as well for the trans posse. I enjoy people and their energy when they're having a good time, and I enjoy different genres of music. It's all exciting to me. I want to make EDC better every year. I want to make these underground, smaller parties that we do better every year. I enjoy it, and I want to see it so that I can be there as well as to enjoy it side by side with others. I think that's important and a little bit of a reassurance for um, the the fans of, of other genres um, like trance or, or uh, the, the harder side of things um, like hard style and you know he wants to improve and continue to improve uh, uh, other styles as well. So the interviewer continues so you do it as much for yourself as the audience then. And Rotella says, I'm doing it for everyone that's coming to the shows, but I believe that's as an uber fan of the culture and the music that if I keep looking forward and tapping into my own soul and what excites me that other people will understand that. I hope that they understand that. They have so far, it keeps growing. It's that simple. It sounds crazy because there's such a huge business component of all of this. It's so big and I've been doing it for so long. I've been doing it for almost 30 years and I still feel the same. I feel more into it than ever right now. I'm really excited and the thought of taking things to another level is exciting for me. Changing every aspect of the show as much as I can is just exciting to me. I want to make that happen and I do everything I can to make that happen. When I sit in this office and work on a show, I think about walking in and enjoying it or any messaging. How would I take it as someone that's just coming? I'm very much removed as a person that's doing it when I'm thinking about it as a person that's making changes and creating. So he says, basically, he's trying to think as a raver rather than as a producer or a manager, how to cut corners. And and perhaps that's another secret to, the, to its success. Uh, it's this authenticity and um, the way he t he's trying to recreate the vibe like what he would be enjoying of attending. And then the uh, interviewer keeps asking, what were the moments you saw at EDC 2019 that you can take and build on going forward? That's, I think that's an important question. He says, I'm a fan every day. When I'm not working, I'm going to another festival and the real highlight moments are when I'm walking through the crowd and I see something that I've never seen before, whether it's a scale of what we're doing or the way an art piece or stage element looks. These are highlights for me that keep me excited. And then I want to change them for 2020. I'm chasing innovative ways to keep it exciting and interesting. I wouldn't want to go to the same EDC year after year, so it has to be different. I'm constantly thinking about ways to lay it out differently, change the stages. And again, that this is something that we see year after year, and uh, there is difference in stages and the way the stages are built, and I think more than any uh, other festival and perhaps that's a good thing or perhaps that's a bad thing depending on how you you view things um, some of the changes are obviously introduced because of necessity so for example if, if you realize that there's a big crowd that you know attending x stage and x stage is dedicated for example in house and techno and there's demand and next year you may make this bigger but i think there's an element also of device design and what's very characteristic of EDC is the art installations that happen all over the place, and I think he's uh, pointing this out and touches on this later on on the interview. So it's no, it's not just in house and techno, and there's demand, and next year he may make this bigger. But I think there's an element also of device design, and what's 
Very characteristic of EDC is the art installations that happen all over the place, and I think he's uh, pointing this out and touches on this later on on the interview. So it's not it's not just about the music or the design of the stages, but it's also these small art installations and the talent he brings there, and how he allows smaller DJs to just perhaps make a debut there and pop the cherry, for example. Um, and then he talks about Alice in Wonderland and how she has grown uh, throughout the year. And I'm not going to go into details here because I don't think that's mu of much relevance uh, to this. Uh, the interview continues. How does EDC fit into the cultural festival landscape? So I think this is the main topic of, of this podcast, where he is basically saying that prior to EDC, there were very few if at all festivals like we know it today and again this was some information that i didn't know and i found very interesting i'm sharing with you today so rotella says i remember the day when there was no events it's beautiful to look around and see the all kinds of events going on i look at coachella and lola lola palooza he refers to and see how much the rave scene has impacted those events those events will not exist on the level that they exist without the rave scene there were no festivals before raves not in america there had been touring shared events and arenas and stuff like that but there was not a festival scene and again the interviewer says uh, yeah you had the new orleans jazz fest and newport folk fest but those were more specialized at the time they have since grown and diversified and rotella answers if there was a pop-up festival that happened it happened and disappeared rock pop hip-hop grunge even all these different popular genres in music there were never festivals not ongoing music festivals so he's talking about this recurring theme of year after year Woodstock wasn't returning, it happened, it was a disaster, and then it would pop up again and have problems again. And it didn't really help people feel comfortable with having festivals. I remember people trying to organize a festival and people would be like, you mean like Woodstock? We don't want that around here, there's no way we're having that around here. It just wasn't a thing, where Europe, whereas Europe had festivals. The first park of mass gatherings where there was a party going on was raves, there was no festivals. <coughs> Excuse me. There was Lollapalooza. Perry did a great touring event, which was Lollapalooza, but it's not the Lollapalooza we see today. That was the closest thing, but it still wasn't a festival. Warped, same thing. What raves have done for America when it comes to live music, it's incredible. Maybe it would have existed in a different form, but it was right there when Coachella first started. I helped him because I started opening a bunch of my raves, and Paul Tollett, that must be the organizer of Coachella, possibly, was involved in some of my raves, and Coachella was a product of that. And how many festivals did Coachella inspire? So many. And it started from the Southern California rave scene, because, well, that's where um, Insomnia Records is really based. And, and for those who don't remember, EDC was not always in Las Vegas. It went there in 2012. Before that, it was in L.A., Los Angeles. Um, so many, and it started from the Southern California rave scene. That's what happened, I know, because I was there. This is not me hearing it from anyone else. I witnessed it and was fortunate enough to be part of it. It was beautiful. I'm very proud of it. So, final question from Steve Bolden. So, as Insomni goes forward, what do you see the state of dance music as today? And I think that's quite an important thing that we have also touched on, on the podcast. Rotella says, the music right now is the best it's been in many years. I'm loving it. The events that we're doing continue to grow and the people that are out there 
um, they're really, really into it. There was a burst where dance music crossed over and became very trendy. I think he probably refers to 2012, 2016 era. And that's past. I thought the dip was going to be bigger, where it wasn't so trendy. People were looking for something else expected because I had been through this three or four times. Where you see the popularity of dance music spike, and I thought there would be a much bigger dip. What's so strange is it hasn't got smaller for us, it's got bigger. I expected it to get smaller, but it's gotten bigger. There are less people involved in the interest industry. Uh, I mean, he practically dominates the scene, right? It's strange that it's gotten less popular commercially, but we're doing better than ever. And perhaps that's that's the reward um, of his legacy and the authenticity that he brings in and the atmosphere that he brings in. Because uh, for those who have listened to much older podcasts, uh, you would remember how the chap, who I can't remember his name, has put initially the money into the rave scene around 2012 and declared rock and roll as dead and dance music as um, the next rock and roll movement. Well, he has now pulled out because he went broke financially. And therefore, uh, loads of other people have pulled out as well. And, and there was a fear that this would be the end for the States. But uh, according to Pasquale or perhaps Insomniac, the Insomniac events in particular, this is not the case. And I will hope that it remains as such, um, and it's a, this is obviously a good thing because they have brought so many innovations and they have kind of uh, revitalized the, the rave scene uh, all over the world, and uh, it has inspired so many other festivals, and the whole thing has grown organically. So I will hope that this remains the case. I do not know how much it will actually remain the case because Asia is up and coming, uh, but I want to share this with you. As he says, there's been many dips and kind of ebbs and, and lows in, in the scene. And this is something that has happened in the UK. And it only takes, sometimes, it only takes one artist to become popular and basically become commercial as well. Um, I think the States probably happened with Skrill in 2010. Um, you know, there was, there was a seen happening at the same time there was Skrillex, there was Dead Mouse in Europe there was Swedish House Mafia that was happening at the same time that were hugely popular around that year of 2009 there was Avicii so it was all kind of a almost um, conspiracy for dance music to take over the world and people come and go uh, Avicii dies Swedish House Mafia split uh, Skrillex may not be the same Dead mouse may or may not be the same, but people come and go, and so people lose interest and, and they move on, and a generation moves on in life and they grow out of the parties, but a new generation comes. And as I said, sometimes it just takes the next big artist to kickstart a scene. And if the right environment is there, for example, there's there's a local scene. I think that's very, very important, uh, and other artists will follow up and the thing will grow organically, and then the first parties will happen, and then the money from outside will pour in again, and the interest in outside media will come, and then loads of people will come in initially for genuine reasons, and then not so genuine reasons. And the whole thing will explode, and then it will become commercial, and then people will get bored, and the original ones will move out, and then 
it will start getting worse and people will moan and complain and they will move out and it's the circle of life for people who have lived long enough I've been there since 1988, well, late 88. I've seen this happening again and again and again. And I do hope that the UK scene in particular is revitalized again. It doesn't just copy the events in the States, but bring their own character in. I really, really hope this happens, but I think Asia is the next big thing as um, everywhere else. In any case, that was an interesting interview I thought I would share with you guys. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, please leave your comments and thoughts below on the YouTube channel. If you're listening or on the audio podcast, you may want to check out Anchor FM because when you go to that site, you can actually leave audio messages to the podcast and I can play them back or understand what your feedback is. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to share with me. And obviously, just follow us on the social media side. On Twitter as FrickBeats and the underscore cast, on Instagram as FrickBeats EDM Podcast, and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear, and share with some people who are into the talking side of of the rave scene rather than just listening to uh, the latest DJ mix. So with this, I'm out. Catch our podcast. Freakbeat CDM podcast on all major platforms. Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Subscribe so you don't miss any future episode and if you liked what you heard share with the EDM fam. Also catch us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Freakbeat CDM podcast and you'll find us hidden under every festival tent.